You are now listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything that's anything with your hosts, David and Brenda. Now, let's get to talking about this and that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This and That with David and Brenda. We are coming to you from Podcast Land Studio, and you are listening to Brenda, otherwise known as Miss Brenbren. And this is David, aka Dr. David, aka The Professor. Coming to you with another exciting edition of our eclectic podcast where we talk about everything that's anything. This is episode 40, which will be our fourth tech edition. And also, we want to make sure that we send greetings out to all of our loyal listeners that make up the This and That Nation. Yes, we are now excited to refer to our loyal listeners and those who are listening to our podcast as This and That Nation. That's a great name. And we send a shout out to our loyal listener, in Athens, Georgia, that came up with that name and provided to provided that to us in an email. So thank you so much for that suggestion. Let's do some other shout outs to our listeners from all across the globe. But we're going to start out here in the United States, right? Exactly. First up, shout out to those in Los Angeles, California. Shoutouts to Covington, Kentucky, Las Vegas, Nevada, and Provo, Utah, keeping it out west. And when we go international, shout out to those in Mexico City, Mexico, Villa Ballester, Argentina, Hemingen, Germany, and St. Petersburg, Russia. Shout out to all listeners. And uh, thank you so very much for um, coming back and listening to us over and over again. Whether this is your first time or you've been listening to us since our very first beginnings or you're somewhere in between, thank you, thank you, thank you. We also want to send a shout out to the men, women, and canines of the United States military all across the globe, as well as their dependents, they serve as well, and the uh, civilian support systems that are alongside and behind them. Yes, thank you so much for your service. Yes, and also shout-outs to all of the first responders here in the U.S., so police, fire, 911 services, EMS, and so on. Thanks again for your service as well. Now, to all of those that are listening to us, you do realize, if you don't, that we are on demand. You can listen to us at various sites, such as... Various sites, such as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music, TuneIn, and tons of other sites that are more specific. CastBox, Himalaya, and I can't think of some of the other ones. It's We are basically, I like to say, available wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and that includes all Alexa-powered voice-assisted devices. And what else is of interest to those listening to us on demand? It's free. That is correct. We are free, have been since day one, and we plan to keep it that way. Now, what's our show's email address should someone want to send us a suggestion, a comment, or just want to get in touch with us? It is this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N as in Nancy, that, all nine characters together, at sign aboutgreatercincinnati.com. For people who are not on the email distribution list. Yeah. You would send an email to the uh, aforementioned address, and either in the subject or short note in the body, say you want to get added to our distribution list, and it will happen. Now, for those who are on our email distribution list and have been for a while, wouldn't they have noticed something different? Yes, they should have noticed that there are some changes. The email now has expanded. Um, there are, there's, it's not just text as well, there's color graphics, uh, various different sections, and so on. And we're going to keep, uh, expanding that out for folks, so, um, look for changes that are coming along. Yeah, now that's just one of the new things that we're doing here in Season 2 for our eclectic podcast, this and that with David and Brenda. So there is more to come, but we're not going to tell you about all of that right now. No, no. We just want you to keep listening, keep looking, and um, see what you see down the road. What are we going to talk about today? Because like you mentioned, this is our fourth technology episode. So what are we going to talk about? Yes, and for those who um, are, are new to This and That with David and Brenda, Every 10th episode, and this is episode 40, so hence the fourth one, every 10th episode is our tech edition, uh, technology-specific podcast. And in uh, this episode, we are going to tackle the subject of apps. So, you know, what exactly is an app, or as I like to say, everything that you wanted to ask about apps but didn't know to ask. Then we're going to talk about um, and, and uh, sci-fi, TV, and movie technologies that are now real. We will also have our words of wisdom, which we tend to have regardless of the type of episode. So that will be something else we touch upon, and it will be uh, quite timely given uh, various recent events. So I'll just leave it at that for now. It sounds like we have another a full episode of This and That that we're going to cover. So why don't we go ahead and get started with Season 2, Episode 40, February 8th, 2020, This and That with David and Brenda. Are you ready, David? I'm ready. Then let's get going. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. Tech Edition number 4, episode 40, now underway. In this episode, we will be tackling the subject of apps. What are they? Why should you care? And so on. So is this edition basically like 
Is there an app for that? Yeah, you could say that. That's, that was a phrase when the apps first came out. There was an app for everything. Whether there should be or not is one of the questions I'll, I'll be talking about. Should there be an app for whatever you're trying to do? But yeah, you can think of it that way as well. All right, so what is an app? Well, app is short for application, and it's essentially a program that runs on various devices. So whether it's a you know laptop or, or desktop computer, um, your mobile smartphone, tablet, so on. So that's what an app is. And there are various types of apps. Most of the time when people say the word app, they mean essentially a mobile app, which is one of the one type of app. And a mobile app is an app that's specifically written for uh, running on smartphones. So iPhones, Android phones, and then also tablets. But more and more, more likely they're talking phones. But that's typically when people say app, they really mean a mobile app. There's also desktop apps, and desktop apps were before the whole smartphone and app revolution, so to speak. That's all you had were desktop applications. Think of you know your Microsoft Office suites or uh, a PC-based game, whatever it is, something that runs on an actual PC laptop. Those are desktop apps, and they still exist today. Then you also have uh, what are called web apps, and these are apps that run in the context of a web browser. The lines between what you might think is a website and what is a web app kind of blur. Because if you access Twitter, if you're a user of Twitter, and you use Twitter on, say, your laptop, and you go to twitter.com, that is actually a web app. It's not a normal website. I it's thought a that was a website. No. They rewrote it sometime last year in 2019. It is, a, it is a web app. So I'm actually a user of an app, and I didn't even know it. That is correct. Wow. And there are lots of other web-based applications that are, that are out there as well. And, and again, the distinctions between what is a... Because the nomenclature looks like a website, people think they're websites, but they're actually, in a lot of cases, web apps. And web apps are, again, they, they run in the browser context, so they are platform independent. They'll work as is across, you know, iPhones, Androids, and so on. Your mobile applications have to be written specifically for iPhones, specifically for Android, and, and so on. So if you're a business out there and you want to have a mobile application, you're going to have to have all these various versions of it. Now, um, how many apps are there? We're into, I, I saw something where it's, it's well in over millions of apps. Their um, Gartner Group, which is a consultant, IT consultancy, and others, basically say by like 2025 or whatever, there'll be like a billion apps. They some people say we're there now because there are lots of apps that are written and they're used in you know corporations and things like that. They're not public. Now that's more than I can count. I I'm not sure we're up to that high, but we're talking definitely in the tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of apps. This is an app for everything. There really is. Now, do people have to pay for apps, or are they free, or what? Yes, and yes, some apps are free. I I'm, I don't know the percentage of how many apps are free. There are tons of free apps, but there are also a lot of apps that that you pay for. Now, the price for some, some apps are like, you know, 99 cents a dollar. Other apps are more significant in the amount of money that you pay, or they might be subscription-based. It, it all varies and depends on what's going on.
So that's that's as far as using apps and what the cost of the apps are. Okay. So as we said earlier, there's pretty much an app for everything. Uh, but do you really need them? That's one of those it depends. Depends on what you're trying to do. Um, if we, you know, given the, the Iowa caucus was almost a week ago. Iowa caucus or Iowa chaos? Iowa chaos. Actually, technically, it's Iowa caucuses, but Iowa chaos. So the Iowa caucus Iowa, chaos. Yes, exactly. Okay. That that was this past Monday, and you most people who you know pay attention to the news know that this chaos was blamed on uh, an app that the Iowa Democratic Party, because um, we're talking about the Democrats' portion of the caucus, is where the chaos was, and they decided literally two weeks before the caucuses that, hey, they need an app to, to report the results. So can you quickly develop an app in two weeks? I would... The short answer is no, because there's a lot of things that go into app development. Number one, they were making a mobile app. And as I said um, earlier, a mobile app has to be specific to a certain kind of device. So... Um, it was a mobile app for, you know, cell phones smart, for smartphones. I don't think it was just for, you know, iPhones, meaning iOS. But let's talk about that a little bit. If you're making a mobile app, um, if you want to touch on as, as a big an audience as you want, you really definitely need to make sure that you have a, a version that will run on an iPhone. That means iOS. And then there are various versions of iOS. Because, um, you know, a lot of people around the world have, like, still have old iPhones, like iPhone 4s or whatever, but they're on old versions of iOS. You may not want to write to those versions of, of iOS. But in either case, you would have to get the, you would have to uh, register with Apple, get a developer ID, get the SDKs, and some, and, and the like, and l learn what it would take to, to make that application, make applications look and feel and, and run within the Apple platform. And um, also you have to pay to get your stuff into the Apple Store because that's how you download. You download apps. This is different from how applications used to be in you know pre-app um, world, smartphone world. Uh, you have to get them into an App Store. And the major App Stores, like Apple's App Store, um, the, the App Store, they would call it, it's not free. You have to pay, um, well, let's put it this it's free to get it in there, and if your app is free, if you're not selling it, then no worries. If you're selling the app, Apple's going to take a cut from you. They basically take a, you know, percentage, um, as they would say in Star Trek, a piece of the action. They're going to take a percentage of what you're, you're, you're selling. You think of it as a royalty, you think of it however you want to think about it. And I app store tax, who knows? But that's also something you have to factor in if you're building an app and you're trying to make money off of that app. Is Apple's going to take a cut out of your after your out of your sales? Well, of course, because they got to make money too. Exactly, and they're housing they're it and everything else. They're making sure that things don't get hacked and infected and and so on. I mean, yeah, you you know the the percentage, how much? I think it's like thirty percent. I think the percentage is too high. It's just my personal opinion. Them making money and and charging something makes perfect sense but like a lot again my opinion in the apple world everything is just too high their stuff costs too much and they charge too much 
And so that's something you have to do. And then on Android side, the same thing. You have to get the Android APKs, as they call them, the, the app uh, development kit, be able to put that together, get it into Google Play, which is Google, which owns the a Android platform. That's their app store and, uh, and the like. And there are independent app stores that are out there as well, as well as some that are specific for things, such as if, you're, if you have a, a, um, an Amazon Fire tablet, then the Fire tablet, Amazon has their own app store, and so on and so forth. But, but those are things that have to, to happen as part of that development chain. So if you're developing an app, you have to know, well, what are they trying to do? What's the look and feel going to look like? Is it going to be standalone just on that device? Probably not. So that means you're going to have some sort of back-end database at the very least, maybe some other pieces of, of middleware if you're working in a corporate setting because corporations aren't just going to let these apps run willy-nilly. They're, they're going to want to control who actually downloads them and some other pieces of security measures. So there's, there are other things you have to take into account. So generally, no. I know it's a long-winded answer, but generally, no. Two weeks to develop an app is, I think, an insanely short amount of time. Now, my thing with what they were trying to do with the Iowa Democratic Party is they didn't need an app for this. That their, their original way of doing things up until this year was people called in over the phone and to a specific phone number and gave the results and, and somebody tabulated all that stuff somewhere or, or some bodies, people. Okay, that's real old school. I can understand them wanting to change from that. I don't, I don't know why in the last two weeks they decided to, but I can understand them changing. But what they could have done was just simply use like Google Apps. Just use the, the spreadsheet, Google Sheet. Just set up a, a spreadsheet in Google Apps, had all these different precincts, there's like 1,700 precincts or whatever, they all have their own rows and they report the three numbers and, you know, someone's already done the macro so it does the tabulation and you could see right then and there if stuff's going to add up or not um, and so on and be done with it. That's all they really needed to do and that would have had adequate security and everything else. But the term, we have an app for that. That makes things <laughs> sound kind of like... Cool and sexy? Yeah, and you, modern. Yeah, but you don't... Again, what are you trying to do... Is it overkill, too much technology for what you're trying to do? I just went through very, and I don't even talk about checking for security, the network, because these things don't happen by magic. You're going to be running them over a cell phone network and then on different devices. You're running it on somebody's device. Again, this isn't the corporate world. This is out in, you know, just the, the, the real world with consumers. So someone could have like uh, the, an iPhone 11, but they could have it loaded down with tons of apps and they don't even have enough memory for whatever your app is doing. Your app developers may not know what they're doing and it's just a bunch of bloat code and it needs tons of memory that they may not even have. I mean, there's so many factors that go into cell phone networks. Um, the four major carriers are not equal. Everybody knows Verizon has, quote unquote, the best network. I'll just leave it at that. And the other ones are not so much. But depending on what part of the world you're in, Verizon may not be the best network. It might be T-Mobile or something. So th that factors into it. And I already talked about the back end. And like I said, there's no way in two weeks you're going to know it's going to have adequate security. So translation. It's crazy. There are lots of opportunities for things to break down. That is an understatement. <laughs> 
That's an understatement. They, I would say that um, there's Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will, will go wrong. Right. That That's very much true, especially in software development. But Murphy didn't even have to come into play here. The, these folks did pretty much everything wrong that you around software development, um, systems, programming, testing, security. They did pretty much everything wrong. Testing? Yes, they didn't test, really. Exactly. That's why I said <laughs> testing. You, you've got to test. So you're rolling something out, you have to test it, even with a, an app. So if you're developing an, an app, I don't care how simple it is, um, you, the developer, you trust me, users are going to find ways to make stuff break because they're going to they're gonna do things in a sequence that is just completely foreign to you, the developer of the app, in a lot of cases. You're not going to think of that, and is your, your app robust enough and, and the whole ecosystem of that app back and everything else to where it's not going to break, freeze up, cause you know data entry problems, who knows what. So you have to test, and they didn't even test. And then on the security end, we're talking election results. You want those election results to have integrity. So that means some modicum of, of security. Well, when reporters found out they were doing this app, they asked these questions, and the Iowa Democratic Party didn't, they were like, oh, we, we can't tell you anything about the app and who's developing it, the company, or how they're doing it, or whatever, because that might, that might make it easy for hackers to, to penetrate. That is known as security by obscurity. And security by obscurity is the worst thing you can do for securing an application. Trying to, if you have to keep the details of your app secret, to make sure it's secure, it is by definition not secure. And that is a problem. What you need to do, and it, it would take way too much time to go into all the different details, but you want to follow basically open, open standards and guidelines of how do you do development and security. And NIST, the National Institute for Security, uh, for Science and Technology, excuse me, the U.S. National uh, Institute for Science and Technology, NIST, N-I-S-T, has a whole bunch of guidelines on how you develop applications, how you test them, and, and roll them out, keep them um, up to date, and so forth. And that is really what folks should be, even if you're, even if you're just developing for a mom-and-pop shop, or in this case, the, you know, the, the Iowa Democratic Party, you should be following those guidelines and there are folks who boil, boil them down or whatever, and hopefully your developers have been taught this one way or the other somehow, whether they realize they're, they're doing things based on the NIST guidelines or not. That is, that is the way things should be done. And if, if you have time, which you should have time, you want to make sure stuff is peer-reviewed, just like when you're writing a scientific paper and a lot, you want it peer-reviewed. You want stuff peer-reviewed. Or at the very least, you want it tested by folks who are certified at testing um, software for security holes and the like. Or if you want to be a little bit cheaper about it, you can open up to the public. There are things like bug hunts, where people bug bounties, rather. And um, you'll have companies that say, hey, we'll pay X amount, you know, $1,000 to anyone who finds a flaw or bug in our, our system. 
There are lots of companies that do that, even the major companies like Microsoft and others don't have bug bounties on things. There's so much that they just did not do. They didn't do anything, anything at all. It is a, it is a case study in how not to develop an app. No, it's a case, <laughs> it's a case study in chaos. Um, that is true. So if you turn around everything I just talked about, that is high level the things you should do to develop an app. Do not follow the example of the Iowa caucus chaos, as Brenda called it. You want to you wanna develop things properly, if you need an app at all. And I, would, I still contend that an app was complete overkill for what they were trying to do. Bottom line, folks, there seems to be an app for everything. There are millions of them, and you're probably using one, and you don't even realize it. Because all apps don't necessarily run on your phone. They can run on your computers as well. And TVs. Smart televisions, people have seen. They have lots of different apps, uh, ranging from Sling and Roku, Netflix, and so forth. So they run on TVs as well. And as we move more into, quote-unquote, the Internet of Things, they'll, we'll have apps run on refrigerators, washing machines. So apps will be everywhere for the most part, in the future, if not already. Listen to This and That on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other major podcast apps and services. Back in the 60s and 70s, when people were watching things like Star Trek and reading different comics and stuff like that, a lot of what they were reading about was... The future, which is now. Well, yes, science fiction, yes. Sci-fi science fiction, absolutely. So, in the, the case of Star Trek, and, and this is where we're going to talk about, and we'll hit this theme every now and again, uh, sci-fi TV movie technologies that are now real. And how this whole topic came about was, uh, in episode 39... Talking about smartwatches, GPS-based tracking smartwatches that were being sold during Christmas time, and Brenda made a connection between that and Dick Tracy. But without me, um, instead of me rambling on about it, let's just hear what we had to say about it in episode thirty-nine. And by that I mean Dick Tracy. The, the folks had, he was a detective, and he had a, they had lots of gadgets. And one of them was a, a watch that was a communicator. So they, he could talk to his watch, and it was like a radio. It's way before cell phones. So everybody was like, this is really cool. So was they it, had that kind of feature between the parents and the ch- children. Wasn't Dick Tracy a cartoon? Yes, it was a cartoon. There was yeah. also, they made a movie with um, Warren Beatty and Madonna. It was a terrible movie, in my opinion. It's a terrible movie. And this is, um... Where um, cartoons become reality, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in Dick Tracy. We, we, could, we could do an episode on things from cartoons or comics or movies that are not now real. As you can see, that conversation was the genesis of a new segment. I thought it would just be a, originally a one-and-done segment, but when we got into it, we came up with a whole boatload of technologies from science fiction, TVs, and movies. We hadn't even really hit 
books and comics. And so I was like, Brenda's like, okay, let's just pick, you know, a handful here and we'll just revisit this every so often. Yeah, because <laughs> there are a lot of technologies that you just heard about in a movie or might have read about in a book and today they are real. Right, and we could have spent this entire um, episode just talking about all, and, and, and then still it would be too long. We'd have to come up with part, part two, if not even a part three. All right, so let's start out with Star Trek. Yes. Now, I will let folks know out there, I am not a Trekkie. So, or a trucker. Or a trucker. So as part of our research, because we always like to do our research on things, my job was to watch seasons of Star Trek. And I actually watched the first and second season. I'm now on the third. and The third and final. Third and final. And there are a lot of things that were talked about in Star Trek that are now real. And I kept pointing these out to David. And one of the ones that I knew about um, before I actually started watching the shows were what they they called in the show a communicator. Right. So the communicator, if for, the, for those not familiar with Star Trek, uh, Star Trek show folks go around uh, the, the galaxy essentially exploring strange new worlds, etc., etc., and they um, teleport down to different planets um, and uh, to communicate back to the ship and they te- have. And teleporting is, is coming, folks. Well, teleportation is actually here. Like I said, it's, it's coming, scale. folks. We'll talk about that in another, yeah, another, another episode. Another episode. Um, they communicate back to the ship on the quote-unquote communicators. And the communicators, for those of you who were around, if you remember... The flip phones, like the Motorola Razor and the like, that's basically what the communicator looks like, form factor-wise. You would flip it up, they would actually whip it out, and because the lid was the antenna. For those of us who grew up during this time and actually had the Star Trek technology manual, you could actually buy these things. They explained the technology of Star Trek. I you know, are joking, right? No, I am not joking. Okay. I, like I, I said, folks... No. I'm not a trucker, I'm not a truckie, (laughs) Um, but it is, it is interesting. No, no, I, I, I still have mine, um, pretty sure I still have mine, I'm sure my best friend still has his somewhere. Okay, well, that's technology manuals, and there are multiple technology manuals. That sounds like a, uh, here's what I think, round table. Because part of Part of this, yeah, here's what I think. Because um, the, the, the lid was, a, was an antenna, and it could communicate um, back to the ship as well as communicate with other communicators around. So it was wireless communication, um, handheld, mobile. And well, that's your, you know, cell phone, basically. The communicators, basically, like I told David, they were like flip phones, cell phones. Yes. So communicators, cell phones... Technology from back then became real, and and it's and it's 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 absolutely one hundred percent real and one hundred percent analogous because the cell phones cell phones are radios, and they're not really 
phones per se, as in the phones that are hard, hard line wired from Alexander Graham Bell, AT&T. They're really radios, the way they work and all. And there's a whole bunch of layering on top to make those radios look and feel more like and, and operate like traditional phones. But they're radios. And the, and the communicators in Star Trek were, were radios. Um, that's, that's how they operated. And communicators are used throughout all the seasons of Star Trek. Are they used in the movies? Of course. Okay. Yes. Well, I haven't watched them, so uh, what do I know? Uh, uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> no comment. So anyway, communicators are today's cell phones. Right. Now, um, in another episode of Star Trek in Season 1, um, they had a gentleman... I believe his he was a, a captain of a starship. Captain Christopher Pike, the original captain of the Enterprise, and it was a two-part episode, of the Menagerie. Yeah, you're you're flunking well, here very well, badly. Well, no, I'm not flunking very badly. I just said <laughs> I think he was the captain of a starship. It should have been no question. And you confirmed it. He was the captain of a starship. Even in the J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek, where they did the whole parallel thing, just, just so it wouldn't be exactly the same with Chris Pine and all those folks, because they, they, they had the, the Romulan go back in time and kind of screw with the, the timelines. Um, even there, Christopher Pike is the captain of the Enterprise. Okay, so we are talking about Christopher Pike, and... He ended up being involved in some kind of really bad accident and ended up in what they then used or called, uh, I guess, a wheelchair. And when I saw that, well, I it was said, a, it was a, I, when I saw that, I said to David, that seems like a power chair. Right. They didn't call it a wheelchair. They, okay. they didn't really call it anything in there. And the accident was, he was, it was Delta rays. He was exposed to delta rays. Like okay. I said, you're flunking here. I don't think I'm flunking. He was involved in some kind of accident, and David just gave you more information than I think you needed, but you now know it was something involving delta rays, and he ended up in what was I call a modern-day, what is now considered a modern-day power chair because... It was something that he um, was able to move around using his um, his mind and also using um, his his fingers by touching a button. He could communicate with people. And in today's power chair, you can kind of do some of the same type of things. Well, I mean, think power chair like Stephen Hawkins. Because Stephen Hawkins, um, who had ALS... For for uh, decades, had a record on um, living with ALS. He was able to move his power chair with a a modicum of of physical and, and mental movement, and he was able to communicate. There was a speaking spell. I, I call it speaking spell. It's more sophisticated than that. Uh, that where he could uh, essentially type by eye movement. It tracked his eye eye movement, Stephen Hawking's eye movement, and he was able to communicate, and that, he had the robot voice in the chair and all. So it would take a while for him to type out a message, but he could do that. So Christopher Pike, which was more sophisticated, actually, than Christopher Pike, because Christopher Pike could only communicate with a light. 
And it was like, one blink was yes, and two blinks was no. Which was, you know, really sad, and I think they did it that way just for a plot device effect. Because if you could communicate too much, that would give too many things away. So I was like, well, we got to give them this one light. Because you think about it, it's the 23rd century and how sophisticated their technology is, and all you could do is blink a light. You could move the chair around, all sorts of stuff, but you could only communicate well, by blinking a light. I wasn't going that was a plot to device. I wasn't gonna go there. Plot device. But anyway, that's, that's the power chair. So yeah, they... Power, modern power chair, chair of all the bells and whistles, you know, not that can be controlled uh, with a small amount of, of brain power and or a small amount of, of muscle power. All right, so that was Star Trek. Yep. Now we're going to talk 2001 Space Odyssey. Yes, 2001 A Space Odyssey, classic sci-fi movie, one of the best sci-fi movies or science fiction movies actually it's called sci-fi is we have, we have to do a thing what's, the, what's the difference between sci-fi yeah, and science I was going to bring that up very quickly S- science fiction is rooted in reality and just like science fiction books and the like there's a larger larger point to what they're trying to convey sci-fi is typically you know you're going to put people in um, in situations in the future, whatever, spaceships, whatever else they're doing, and there's, n- and there's no real point to it, per se, the stories. There's necessarily no real point to the stories, a deeper meaning to it. Um, that's that's the short thing between sci-fi and science fiction. So, in an example, uh, Star Trek is science fiction. Yes, yeah, science is, yes. There's some episodes that are completely dumb, and, and you could say that that was a sci-fi episode, but on the whole... Star Trek, and when we, we're talking Star Trek, we're really talking classic Star Trek. Yeah, I'm origi- not talking Next the Generation or Deep Space Nine. Yes, the original series was science fiction. When you start getting to Next Generation, some of their stories were science fiction stories. Most of Deep Space Nine, over, I mean, um, um, uh, Next Generation over the seven years was sci-fi. Now, definitely Voyager, Deep Space Nine... Complete sci-fi. There's no larger point, and and you can tell a lot of science sci-fi. It's just a lot of technology gobbledygook that just they, they, that they just throw out there, and that's one of the, the problems I always had with Next Generation. That Jordy and 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 like they could just hook up anything to anything. All right, so we digress. Yes, but we now you, have you took us. There. I know I took us there, <laughs> but I thought it was important for folks to know yes. the difference between. Sci-fi and science fiction. Yes. So, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yes. Science fiction? Science fiction, definitely. It was based on a book written by Arthur C. Clarke, and, um, who's passed away, but he had an interesting life, and he's, he's a, a, the individual who foresaw, predicted, and actually pre- predicted, and for, like Jules Verne, who came off of a bunch of stuff that people got ideas off of, um, you know, if you look at Jules Verne's story from Earth to the Moon, they take off, they, they shoot the rocket out of a cannon and go to the moon. And that cannon is in Cape Canaveral, Florida. And he wrote this in like the 19th century. So a lot of people said, did he really have a real time machine? Because he wrote the time machine story. But uh, no, um, that's H.G. Wells. Sorry, that's not Jules Verne. But, but, but uh, Arthur C. Clarke predicted communication satellites. He foresaw and predicted communication satellites and a whole bunch of other things. 
well before communication satellites existed. People got the idea from his stuff. So he predicted um, video calls, too. Um, yes. In 2001, A Space Odyssey, if you watch the movie, which is, again, one of the, the all-time best science fiction movies of all time, they have video calls. Um, and, and the video calls are in phone booths because, you know, Ma, he didn't foresee Ma Bell going away. And if you don't know Ma Bell, do a Google search. That just tells me your age. Um, they, he saw, you know, AT&T, Ma Bell, the Monopoly still in existence and people using um, booths to do the video calls. Whereas today, we can do them from our computer. Skype made video calls, you know, real and practical. And that was in 2003. So since 2003, we've had, it was a couple of years too late. In 2001, A Space Odyssey. 2003, we, we had video calls that were practical and in a lot of cases free. Now, when did 2001 A Space Odyssey come out? In theaters? 1968. Okay. Came out in 1968, uh, before the, the, the moon landing, actually. Which is interesting because there's a moon, a whole moon base and everything else in 2001 A Space so Odyssey. So, in 1968, they talked about video calls. Yes. They also... Actually, before then, because he wrote the book. Well, yeah, well, but I'm, I'm talking about the movie. Okay. So when it comes to the movie, they also had tablets. Yes. They're, they're, the astronauts um, on their, their mission to Jupiter, um, they are enjoying their breakfast of space foods, <laughs> whatever it is they're eating there, and they are also looking at news clips on tablets, think iPads, you know, just just to name one type of tablet, but that's the type of tablets we're talking about. So I, they're looking at video feeds from from Earth, as well as um, newspaper clips and things like that. So they again pretty much got down the whole tablet thing, as well. That that was another spot on thing in 1968. So there are a lot of references, like I said, to things back in the 60s and 70s that are now real. Right. And those are not the only technologies from Star Trek or 2001 we could talk about, but those because again, we we chose, you know, just for to whet people's appetite. We'll come back periodically and talk about these things and, as well as talk about other movies and shows. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And um I think next time we got to talk cartoon. Well, we could talk Jetsons. There's a lot of cartoons we could talk. All right. You are now listening to This and That with David and Brenda. This episode's words of wisdom come to us from Vince Lombardi. And uh, we had the Super Bowl almost a week ago. So Vince Lombardi... Uh, considered one of the greatest football coaches of all time, probably the greatest NFL coach. The actual trophy that you win in the uh, Super Bowl is the Lombardi Trophy, named after Vince Lombardi. And um, I I thought, there are lots of quotes you can get from from Vince Lombardi, but I thought this one was, uh, given the Super Bowl and other events, was the, uh, the, the perfect quote. And that is, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. 
I'll say that again. Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. So that to me is a very powerful and awesome quote. It always means you should, you know, aim high, do, you know, above and beyond what you need to do to get um, excellence, superior ratings, and so forth. And I thought that was doubly fitting because that was really the mentality of the late, great Kobe Bryant, who passed away, unfortunately, in a tragic helicopter accident. And he, you know, had the quote-unquote Mamba mentality. And that could be encapsulated by, you know, strive to be great, strive for greatness. And that's the same thing that Vincent Barry was saying. Kobe Bryant did not settle. <laughs> he never wanted to settle for anything. And that was true. That wasn't just for him being on the basketball court. Post-basketball, you look at the things he was doing in business with children's books. I mean, how many people do, um, he did a short film. How many people, their first short film, they get an Oscar? I mean, not just nominated for the Oscar. He win, won the Oscar last year. First short film ever did with his production company. So that's, you know, again, strive for perfection, strive for greatness, and at the very least, you're gonna catch excellence, as um, Coach Lombardi said. Comments? Send your feedback to this and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. We've come to the end of another great edition of our eclectic podcast this and that tech edition number four episode 40 is now being sealed up put in the can ready for distribution out to the world now our season two is getting off to a great start yes very much a sizzling start to the season we have more that we're going to talk about down the road but um i think um we've done enough for today Yes, we will keep it uh, close to the vest, as folks like to say, and let people tune in to episode 41 and see what we have in store for them there. But in the meantime, if um, those of you in this and that nation have any suggestions or comments or you just want to let us know what you think, where can they email us again? This and that at aboutgreatercincinnati.com. That's this, the letter N, that, at sign, aboutgreatercincinnati.com. And we want to hear from you, this and that nation. So be sure and uh, send us emails because, like we told you, we do listen to what people are telling us. We read everything that folks send to us. And while we may not be able to respond back to you just know that we are reading and you just never know some of your comments might be included in a future edition of our podcast just like the uh, listener that sent in the suggestion about this and that nation right and if you don't mind sharing it let us know your um hometown or at least where you are listening to us from and um, you might hear a shout out 
So we may not get back to you through email or like, but you may hear a shout out for your town. And uh, that's another sign that um, we read your note. Exactly. Until the next time, all the best. Stay woke. Peace out. Bye, folks. You have been listening to This and That, a podcast collaboration about some of everything about anything. This has been hosted by David and Brenda and is presented by AboutGreaterCincinnati.com. Music by Poddington Bear. Please subscribe to our podcast so that you can stay up to date about future episodes. If you have any comments or suggestions about this episode, future episodes, interested in sponsorship and or advertising please email us at this and that at about greater cincinnati.com all rights reserved thank you and all the best